the Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 13. We're talking with Todd Kushlikis of Rally All and a Shot of Adrenaline. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. You need other people to be successful and you need to reach out over and if they don't email back in a week say hey hey fred just wanted to ping you again hope you're doing well and do it again and again and again um it's so important people don't realize that persistence is the key to success i love talking with todd today because todd's done so much in the industry from a shot of adrenaline to now rally all and he touches on that element that you need to reach out and make connections and that doesn't mean just sending a single email but it means being persistent and contacting these people you want to make connections with over and over because most people actually want to help. Persistence really is key. There's a lot of pain involved in building your business as Todd sort of goes into the the example of the iceberg where you know you see the top part but all the bottom part is the pain that went into building that top part and he talks about you know the learning experiences that you have to go through and the fact that sometimes you have to adjust your course as you go through building your business, building your product. And Todd does this by very meticulously tracking data, and he gives some great tips and tricks to people that are both starting out, but also advanced analytics nerds on how you can use that to improve your sales and improve your business. Sometimes we have a dream, we have this like idea in mind. And the thing is, is that's not always the best path to follow. Sometimes we have to allow our customers, our avatars, our clients to direct where we go, and we have to adjust our course. So let's jump right into it with Todd, who I want to nickname Sherlock Holmes for his ability to investigate and interpret fitness data. So today we're joined by Todd Kushlikis. Todd, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness? Hey, thanks, Ryan and Corey. It's great to be here. Yeah, I started off in fitness, actually in the martial arts space. I started off in Kempo Karate, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Western Boxing, and just developed a passion for health and fitness. Um, and I started off by more of an Eastern um, martial arts path. So I started off with Tai Chi and internal martial arts and realizing that the human body is far more complex than we realize. And I had a background in, 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 in medicine, not as a doctor, but as a, a nurse. Um, so I knew the physical body. And, um, but realizing that the human body is just an amazing thing that we really, we just scratched the surface on what we can do. Um, and so I was in martial arts class, just learn, just seeing my instructor and some of the more advanced uh, individuals do some crazy things with their, their, their body, um, jumping off heights into roles and, uh, you know, it, like the typical martial arts stuff, getting hit, but yet like iron fist or iron body and being able to hit, get hit by hard things and, um, not get hurt. And it just started fascinating me about what the human body can, can achieve. And so I just started from there and diving into what the human body is and, and, and physiology and, and chemistry and all that stuff. Um, and then started learning that like my passion for body weight exercises specifically started coming up from the martial arts space. And, um, yeah, I just, I just developed this, this, uh, this deep desire to learn what the body can do from a, from a bodyweight exercise space and learning that there's far more bodyweight exercises than just the typical push-ups and pull-ups and uh, bodyweight squats. But there's um, just hundreds of other ways that you can move the human body and that it's so effective for developing overall strength, uh, coordination, and mobility. And um, yeah, so I just, I, it just became a personal passion of mine. And then I started off um, wanting to, the, just the desire to, to help other people learn this style of training, uh, calisthenics, especially, uh, essentially. And so I put up a few videos on YouTube, um, of like a dolphin push up or a Hindu push up or a horse push up. Some of these things that people aren't readily familiar with, uh, like the normal bench press or squat or something deadlift, for example. And, all of a sudden, I started seeing these videos everywhere. And it was funny. Um, I first realized this when I was looking at where the traffic was coming up from, from these videos. And I would see me embedded on this, say, forum. And it was a Chinese forum. Or all the words were in Chinese. Or the same thing for, like, an Indian forum. And I would see, here I am doing a, 
a horse push-up or a dolphin push-up. And there'd be all this text, you know, I don't know, whatever it's called, calligraphy or something, you know, in Chinese text around it. I had no idea what they were saying. They could have said, oh, this is a horrible form or something. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but regardless, the traffic was coming and it just dawned on me, wow, like people are interested in moving their body in a way that will improve overall health, improve overall physique, uh, improve their mind, and they want the freedom uh, that comes from body weight training and not being just glued to a gym. Um, and so that just that just helped me realize that like there's an opportunity here. And then it it, it, it uh, transformed into a, a very successful business, a seven figure business uh, called the Shot of Adrenaline. And uh, we can dive into more of that uh, as well. Um, but it's, and then it's, it's eventually, uh, transitioned into a new fitness startup that I can chat about later, but it's, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, this is essentially how I got started though. I think it's really funny that you found your videos on sites that you couldn't, uh, interpret what they were saying because one of my, uh, glute activation pictures ended up on a different site in, I can't remember what the language, but a language that I do not speak. And it was the fire hydrant and they called it the dog peeing on hydrant. And Ryan actually had to type it into Google to figure out what it was. But I was very amused by that. So I'm very amused by your story. Uh, you do so much with bodyweight exercises and I am actually really fascinated by your stuff, especially your focus on isometrics. Could you talk about sort of how you got into isometrics? Because I think they're starting to become more and more popular, but there's still something that are on the fringes a little bit. Yeah, there it is. And actually one of um one of our users or customers just emailed us because she was listening by the to this uh podcast by this doctor, a prominent doctor, and he was seeing saying that he was regularly using isometrics to dramatically help individuals with Alzheimer's. Um and it was like improving the neural pathways in their body and he was doing all this research on it. And so I'm like, wow, I I actually didn't know that. Um, it was super cool, but yeah, and and the my path into isometrics was very similar to uh, just body weight exercises in general. Was in my same martial art class, this Kempo Karate class, and um, my sensei or or we called him Doc uh, would give us these exercises that we would do that we weren't moving. It was just static postures, and you would hold different poses and learn to contract your muscles. And what was the crazy thing is the physique changes in the individuals that practice isometrics regularly were profound. And that's what really attracted me in hearing these testimonials of this guy that was overweight and very quickly he lost a ton of weight and actually got ripped. <laughs> you know, being a guy, so of course, that's what you're, uh, being a young guy at least. The ultimate goal. <laughs> that's right. What, what do uh, what do I look like? Uh, you know, in my bathing suit or something. Uh, that's the, the the true man, right? Um, what we're interested in. So it, it was just what attracted me, and realizing that there the the path, the rabbit hole of isometrics is so deep. Uh, there's different types of isometrics and uh, overcoming isometrics and yielding isometrics and the static postures that you can do, pushing against the wall that doesn't push back, or you could push against your hands together, which there's, there could be some, uh, give there. And, um, I, you know, what was interesting is uh, I've been a huge promoter for isometrics for a while. And, um, you're right, Corey, like the, the, it's starting to come back and, uh, really it, it was popular in the early seventies. I think it was early seventies with Charles Atlas. And, um, I don't know if you remember Charles Atlas, but he was, um, uh, with, uh, dynamic tension, and it wasn't quite isometric, so you had some movement in there. But um, it was, and then it, it sort of died off. Um, and then I think with the proliferation of like actual equipment and people buying whatever Bosu balls and things like that, and then now I think there's a movement towards more just natural training, primal movements, and there's a, a lot of just natural tendencies towards calisthenics. And so I think it's coming back as as a way to build strength without you know, touching a barbell or a dumbbell just with your own own human body. They're such great sort of non-movements because they help you build stability and strength. They help you increase your range of motion. They help you increase your mobility. And there's also the mental aspect with them because you have to hold these uncomfortable positions and work to establish that mind-body connection and get everything working. Have you found that when you sort of have people first do it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is way harder than I thought? Yeah, it's funny. Um, and the, again, the deeper that you dive in isometrics, the farther you realize you can go. When you when people first start off with isometrics, they they realize how hard it is. But some of them say, "I don't, I don't feel like I'm getting the full amount of tension." 
And that's a very true statement. I remember when I first learned isometrics from, uh, we call him Doc again, uh, my sensei, and he taught me isometrics. And the way he did it is he used a visualization. And he said, when you do isometrics, visualize the muscles wrapping around the bone in layers. So start with, say you're picturing the forearm right now, and start try to imagine tightening up the muscle fibers that are very close to the bone, just tighten those up and then tighten a layer around that and then a, ra- a layer around that. So you're essentially, you're swelling up. And I remember being uh, in the, the studio that we were working out of, of, he said, feel my arm as I do this. And so I, I grabbed his arms, forearm, and it was soft like it normally would have been when it was relaxed. And then he said, now notice what's happening. And I could feel the layers around his forearm tensing up layer by layer by layer. He had that much control of the muscle fibers of his, of his body. And I think that uh, mainstream fitment, fitness, I think especially, doesn't realize the capability of the human mind and what we can, can control in our body. And I've experienced that firsthand, and I'm nowhere near as good as he is with isometrics, but realizing that the rabbit hole is so deep and that if you can uh, stick with it and you stay with it regularly, there's some amazing things that you can do uh, with isometrics and not just the physique changes and not just the fat loss changes, but what happens in the mind and the ability to, to control your human body, but then also develop this super sharp focus that carries into all areas of your life, which is one thing that was really attractive to me to the martial arts and then even fitness in general is that when you have that commitment, when you have, when you learn how to relax and breathe properly and it just carries over into all areas of life where you're actually able to handle stress more effectively and enjoy life no matter what comes in front of you. You know, it's such a complex and advanced topic. I'd imagine there were some challenges in taking that and making it accessible to a wider audience. Can you talk about your journey with taking your start in martial arts and transitioning that into a shot of adrenaline? Mm, for sure. Yeah. So uh, the start of a shot of adrenaline, and actually I wasn't called a shot of adrenaline when I first started. I was called extreme exercises. And um, again, because I had a passion for exercises, and and I started with those videos, just sort of going not viral, like millions of views, but just enough to for me to realize there's a potential here. And then I started putting stuff up online, extreme exercisescom and then eventually branded it differently. I uh, brought on this when I realized that there was a business opportunity. Um, I brought on this branding guy that said, you can't be extreme dash exercise. <laughs> like, that's a horrible name. And, uh, people don't want to type the dash and they don't remember and people don't want extreme exercises. They want to, they want the result, not doing something extreme. And so there's a, of course, a lot of learning curve around that. And, and, uh, I was brainstorming and whatnot and came up with a shot of adrenaline and it, it encompassed the brand of not necessarily extreme as much as just pushing yourself to the limit, like really striving to be as like Elliot Hulse would say, the best version of yourself. Um, just yeah, striving, striving to be more. Um, and then, and then one of the biggest challenges was actually learning. I think any fitness trainer that has a desire to become an online fitness trainer, uh, whether that's through coaching, virtual coaching or through email, or it's actually having your own, ebook that you're trying to sell um, or your own blog and you're writing content is actually learning how to to market like you, you can have the greatest content and you can have the greatest insights into fitness but if you don't how to know how to market you don't know how to drive traffic you don't know how to how to speak to people in a way that will drive action uh, in their own mind uh, and have them take action then you know, the, the, the business side will fail because it can be a great hobby. Um, but it's so important to learn how to market and how to, um, create a brand that people want to be associated with that hopefully becomes a movement that they'll actually share. And so that was one of the biggest struggles that I had to learn is actually how to market and, and sell, not in a salesy way, not in a used cars way, but sell through who you are as an individual and your character and your, um, you know, just, yeah, just like who you are and, and, and gravitate people towards you uh, is just really important as if anyone's trying to get into the online space, 
um, or build a business in general. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that had to change their original blog name to something else because uh, oh, of course. <laughs> I, I had Man Bicep and Ryan told me, he's like, you can't open a gym called Man Bicep. You just can't do it. So it's nice to hear that other people sort of, you know, kept the the ideas, the beliefs, but had to sort of rebrand. If a trainer was looking to start selling, what would you tell them to sort of look at? What tips would you give them to start feeling like they can sell without being sleazy? Mm. Yeah, it's really about finding a niche that you're passionate about. It's being the the guy or girl that is branded as whatever, a suspension trainer expert or you know, I'm I go by bodyweight Todd to my shot of adrenaline audience. Um it's just it's just the the choosing something that you are so passionate about that even if you weren't to make money, you would still want to do it. And and I share as with um uh you know the, um my team at a shot of adrenaline this morning. I was sharing with them that when I was building a shot of adrenaline, I was uh, working a full time job uh, as a as working doing close head injury and spinal cord injury uh, rehab as a program director. I was um, uh, going to school full time um, at a master's level classes, and then I was building a shot of adrenaline full time. And there were moments and times when I just didn't see the business opportunity, but I loved it so much that I just wanted to keep going. So it was weekends, nights, mornings, waking up 4am, working out until I had to go to work, working out when I came back home from work, um, on the weekends, giving up opportunities to hang out and whatnot. Just, and I was married and had a kid at that point too. Um, so it's like just so important to choose something that you are just so passionate about and then start to find other people that are like that. And the turning point for a shot of adrenaline, I built it up for about a year and a half and I had traffic, but I didn't have sales. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the sales. I didn't know how to actually generate revenue. And I remember connecting with a guy named Hugo Rivera. Um, I was actually, I was, I was actually ready to quit at that point because I was just so frustrated with things. And I was on the phone with, uh, Lee Labrada. If you know Lee Labrada, he's a like former Mr. Universe guy. He's a really, really good guy. Doesn't he have like um, a nutrition company or something? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Labrada nutrition. Yeah, there's just small time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, really good guy. But I was, I was just, I was just talking to Lee and, and I was like, Lee, I, I don't really know what to do. I don't think. I see other people making money online, but it's not going to work for me. And, um, and he's like, Todd, before you quit, I need you to talk to one of my good friends named Hugo. And he was down in Florida. And so uh, he's like, here's his number. He's a great guy. Just give him a call. So I called him and we talked on the phone for two and a half hours on a Saturday, you know, and, and, and he just, he's like, Todd, I feel called to help you. And so I didn't pay him a dime. Uh, he helped me. He helped me create my first product. He helped me, um, you know, write the the email swipes or the templates that you send out to your email list. And uh, he helped me flesh out the sales page. And and that first month that he helped me, I made five grand. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is possible. It's actually possible to make money online. And then the next month, I had a couple of affiliates promote, and I made four grand. Like, wow, okay, there's some consistency here. And then, uh, you know, realize that you continue to need people promote because the third month was uh, like 500 bucks or something, uh, you know, so it dropped down. And then, but then realizing, okay, just realizing the possibility that this is actually going to work um, drove me to say, okay, like this ignited my passion again. I'm obviously passionate about bodyweight exercises. I really want this to be a business. I'm going to keep going. And, um, you know, kind of as I say, the rest is history where I just continue to, to grow and learn um, to the point where it's at now. And Shot of Drone is a really successful company. I think you touched on an interesting point that a lot of people almost get disconnected with because everything is so online focused that they forget that they can reach out to people for help. What advice do you have to someone who might be inexperienced with reaching out and making connections with new people to get in the door with someone they might want to talk to, to get advice from? Yeah. Great question, Ryan. This is, I've seen this over and over again and I've seen this, which you, the question you just asked is in my mind, one of the biggest, um, down, not downfalls, one of the biggest detriments to people in their success in online marketing, uh, fitness specifically, but any marketing is thinking that when you reach out to someone, and they don't respond, taking it personal. 
And I've seen this over and over again where people reach out and, oh, I've reached out to this person or that person and they haven't responded and they must not just be interested and I, uh, this isn't going to work for me. Like, for me, like, I remember when I put together, uh, it was called the Bodyweight Bundle. It was a, a, a collection of 37 ebooks for 37 bucks. We did a, a seven day promo and drove a lot of traffic and, 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 you know, did some sales. And I remember reaching out to people and I had to reach out to them over and over and over again. And I think people realize, people think that if someone doesn't respond to you, they're not interested, but they don't think that that person has a busy life and that people need to be responded to over and over again. And successful people in any niche that they're in, they want to help because they realize I was uh, working with my co-founder for this new startup that we have and we were talk, just just reflecting on the entrepreneurial journey and he drew uh, his, his reflection was he drew an iceberg at the, uh, the top. You know, you, the, the tip of the iceberg is what people see and then they don't see you know, the typical picture of they don't see the bottom. And he said the bottom is pain is the pain that it takes to, to, to you know, get, get the iceberg above the surface. And people say, oh, man, that guy's successful. Elon Musk is, oh, he's great. He's got three companies, whatnot. Do you realize the amount of pain that that guy had to go through and to, to, to build those companies? And so my point being is that people that are successful want to help. They want to, I'll, 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 I'll say this, they want to be asked uh, uh, for someone else's help. They, they want to serve. And, um, and, and people that are persistent, that's where the success comes from. And so people ask me all the time, like, hey, can we jump on a, on a call or phone? Can you give me 30 minutes to, to chat and give me your counsel or advice? And I do it. And over and over again, I say at the end of the call, I said, you know, Joe or Fred, whoever it is, I am happy to help. Like, if you want to keep pinging me in emails and happy to quick look at sales pages or, or, you know, branding or whatever else. Um, you know what? Uh, there was only one guy that emailed me for like another couple of weeks and I'd email him back and forth and no one else, like everyone else falls off the grid and they don't realize that people are here to help. And if only you were to, to take those opportunities. Um, and that's, that's my big recommendation is that you need other people to be successful and you need to reach out over. And if they don't email back in a week, say, hey, hey, Fred, I just wanted to ping you again. hope you're doing well. And do it again and again and again. Um, it's so important. People don't realize that persistence is the key to success in realizing that this is, there's nothing personal. Uh, you just keep emailing or keep trying to call or ping them on Twitter or LinkedIn, whatever else, uh, and taking nothing personal, but just continuing to drive forward and try to seek out that help and uh, eventually someone to help and be your Hugo Rivera, who was the one that turned my whole business around. You made so many great points. I mean, persistence is so key, whether or not it's fitness goals, business goals, anything. And then I, I totally agree. Reaching out, I've not had one person really say no. I mean, of course, you get the people that don't respond or don't respond for a while. But People genuinely want to help. They want to see other people succeed. You know, I think it was Mark Sisson that said, a rising tide floats all boats. You know, people want to help out. They want to help you build your business. And a another great point you made was the iceberg. You know, I use the duck all the time. You see the duck just floating along like it's all easy, but really those feet are churning under the water. And your Ooh. business is such a great example because I think so often entrepreneurs, trainers getting into the industry think, you know, I just see these people just selling online. They're just selling. They have a product up. They're just selling. But especially in your case, and I know in my case, and I know a lot of other people, it's years and years of work to sort of build a brand, provide content, really deliver on value. And then the sales come from providing the product. But all the people see is sort of the end goal, the end result. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And they don't realize that. And it's so important to realize even going in is really counting the cost. Because I, I joke with people all the time <clears throat> that if I realized how hard it was, I probably wouldn't have started. <laughs> because that's so darn hard. But once you get going, you don't want to, you got so much invested, you don't want to stop. And then of course, you know, I've got a new startup that I that I uh, pivoted to. Uh, I've got a team running a shot of adrenaline, so I don't spend a ton of time over there. But, uh, but I, I pivoted right away to start up this new company, and uh, we're 
you know, a little while into it and realizing, shoot, I wish I took a vacation in between. <laughs> because it's so hard. But you just keep going. Now it's like we're so invested in me personally and we've got investors and everything else. And it's like you just keep rolling and you just keep learning and growing and you just, you know, you risk. You risk yourself. You risk your capital. You risk your time and your emotional uh, even health <laughs> by putting so much of the stock into okay this is this is going to work I believe it and uh, it's a great journey it's something that um, I've encouraged everyone to do and um, it's not for everyone it's definitely not for everyone some people can't take that level of stress they prefer more of the steady strong and steady um, entrepreneurship is um, is there's highs and there's lows and it's you know, huge problems that come up and there are great wins, but just riding those. I really like that all tides. Um, uh, what is it? Rise all ships. What was it? Marxist and cool. Uh, rising tide floats all boats. Floats all boats. Gotcha. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's a great quote to, to live by for sure. So Todd, why don't you go into a little bit about what the transition was like from a shot of adrenaline into rally all? Because, I mean, I think it's a fantastic concept that needs to get out there. And I must say, I mean, your sales video is fantastic. It's one of the, one of the best I've ever seen. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yes. Props to you, Ryan and Corey. Exactly. It's a really, really good video. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic video. So uh, I was really impressed. And our team was, too. And all our trainers, too. So uh, amazing. But, yeah, the transition was awesome. I had the vision for a really long time. Uh, and actually 10 years I had the vision, even before a shot of adrenaline, to have a platform that's like a Netflix of fitness where trainers could broadcast online and uh, lead live fitness classes. And um, that was essentially the, the the idea and to build this Netflix of fitness. And so we started a transition, brought on a team for a shot of adrenaline to run the company and then uh, raise some capital. Uh, I'm out here in Silicon Valley, San Jose area. And, um, you know, which is a great place to meet investors and other entrepreneurs and decided to move forward with this idea. And within a couple of weeks or so, we had our first larger investor. Um, and then, you know, we got another investor on and then I came on as an investor as well. And, um, yeah, essentially the concept when we first started was more of a live streaming platform. And, um, uh, I know earlier we were talking about the, uh, the lesson that I learned of building a shot of adrenaline was learning to be more of a, a marketer and a salesperson, uh, but building it rally all, which is a more of a software company is actually more of like being a, a detective and looking for the clues, uh, the challenges that, that users are facing, uh, that the marketplace is facing and trying to innovate, uh, to solve those problems. And so we launched into the, to the marketplace as a Netflix of fitness, a live streaming platform and realized that the users um, didn't want live streaming. And um, it was uh, a really interesting time for us because people weren't making it to the classes and uh, they loved the classes, but they just, it was too hard. People working out at home, especially don't, they need convenience and live classes aren't convenient. And so um, we realized that we needed to, to pivot. And after doing over 2,000 uh, surveys and interviews, talking to our users on the phone, through email, through surveys and um, looking at the data, uh, we realized that the number one need for them at that point was actual structure with their their fitness goals. And a live class doesn't isn't necessarily as structured as like say a, a fitness program, where it's say six weeks or twelve weeks, and it's laid out in a progressive way, and it continues to build out, and you just tell them what they have to do each day. And so uh, we decided just to pull the thread on that. And um, created a, a fitness program for my own uh, called the Three Week Bodyweight Challenge, and we had people run through that. We had about 600 people run through um, the challenge, and they did it in groups as cohorts. Say 10 people did the program together, and the feedback was amazing. People could chat together; uh, they felt accountable, um, and we realized that we have something here. And so we just continued to pull the thread, and, and we've actually just last week. Uh, released an app version for iPhone and Android of Rally All. You can search Rally All in the App Store or uh, the Google Play Store and uh, search for a bunch of different programs uh, that a user can do. And they're anywhere from seven-day push-up challenges to you know 120-day running challenges uh, programs. And the people can do them together. You can create a team of just a few people. Even if you're doing different programs, you can keep each other accountable. Um, and then the larger vision is actually to have the platform where any fitness trainer uh, can actually create their programs and sell them through the app because, as we know, apps are extremely popular 
and um, actually developing the app and the code and getting it into the Apple, you know, app uh, the the store iStorm is extremely challenging. But the trainer is an expert at creating content and programs because they have that knowledge. So being able to get that knowledge out in a useful way through an app uh, is one of our large passions. And so that's what we just released a week ago. And so we're still in that testing phase, but the feedback has just been really, really exciting, Uh, far better than the live classes. And people are are sharing with their friends and they're chatting and doing programs and, and signing up for more programs. And we're getting feedback like, I, I never thought fitness could be fun, but you've made it fun because we've gamified it. People earn points for checking off tasks and they can level up to certain levels and compete against other people at different levels. And um, it's just a cool app that's actually been um, ability to keep, uh, keep people together uh, and accountable, uh, but actually make whatever fitness program that they're doing fun and exciting. It's really interesting sort of hearing you talk about the process and even needing to make the transition. And it made me think back to we talked with Dennis and Kelsey of Hitburn. And Dennis was talking about how they had all these different programs and then realized that their target market who wasn't who they thought it was and that they actually needed to go in a different direction. And I think often trainers getting in, create one product, have one idea. And then when it doesn't get a response, give up instead of thinking, hey, maybe I can pivot this into something else. Can you sort of talk a little bit about what sort of went into you shifting your focus and then how you sort of transition and how you keep sort of tweaking everything and testing everything to get people what they need so they can get the results they deserve? Yeah, great question, Corey. We just actually had as a meeting with my co-founder this morning and that we were actually just brainstorming that because that's something that people in the fitness space don't do nearly enough. I remember when I was working, uh, building a shot of adrenaline and I hired a coach who essentially 8X'd my business in, in about a nine or 10 month time frame. Um, it was just uh, crazy, like, uh, working with him. But he said that, uh, he strongly recommended actually getting on the phone with my customers and, and diving into their core needs. And when they buy a program actually saying, Hey, can we jump on the phone? And I never ever hear anyone in the fitness marketing space do that. Um, and I didn't do that. Um, but when I started, uh, rally all and building rally all, we are constantly doing that. So we've created up, created different mechanisms. Um, we use, uh, Slack, which is a, I don't know if you've heard of Slack, but it's a, it's a, product that it's an internal communication tool for businesses. Um, but we've actually modified it slightly, used their API to actually get feedback from our users and it's all dumped into a Slack channel. And then we, we call it snipering uh, those individuals. So as soon as they either check off tasks for a day or post a chat in the chat box, we immediately start to reach out to them and move them through a funnel or a flow to get more feedback. So it's at first just asking one simple question, then it's elaborating on that question, then it's asking them if they can hop on a quick call to, to actually discuss more. And then after that call, we say, hey, would you be open to being on a user feedback program where we can ask you even you know, more questions through email or through phone? So it's creating this process. And throughout creating this process of actual feedback from real people and real challenges and, and real problems, We've just opened up the floodgates on insight and information uh, versus taking the the you know taking an idea in your head and just throwing it out there, which is what we did the first iteration with the whole Netflix of fitness. It was an idea that I had for ten years, and we threw it into the marketplace, and it it didn't work. And so we thought, okay, well we've got to change off of that. And so we created these different feedback mechanisms and. It's just, we're just blown away at the feedback. And one of the greatest quotes that we live by is that um, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, uh, entrepreneurs innovate and customers validate. And it's something that uh, I never quite realized, but um, we don't look for your customers to innovate for you. It's actually, I think it's a Steve Jobs quote, um, but the, the customers are perfect. They're amazing at telling you what they don't like. They're, they're really good at telling you their problems, and, uh, but you don't want to brainstorm with your customers. You don't want to say, oh, what do you think would be the best solution? Or do you think this would be the best solution? You don't do that. You, tell, you listen to their problems, and then you go back to the drawing board, and you innovate uh, just uh, an MVP version, minimal viable product. You don't fully uh, solve the problem, but you just solve it enough to get validated feedback, and that has been our saving grace and the thing that has been the holy grail 
so far with our company is actually learning to get that feedback super quickly and then innovate off of that feedback and then validate uh, from the customer, did that work or did that not? And then innovate again and validate again and innovate again and continue on that process until you create something great. I think this all ties back to that iceberg example where you have the tip that's showing, you know, which is your app public facing forward, but everything below the surface is this data collection. And the more you gather, the more informed decisions you can make. And I think people just starting out don't know where to jump into that. Do you have any advice to people that are just starting in terms of what data to look at or what they can start doing to take action to be able to get that feedback? Yeah, so there's a couple of different data categories um, that even just starting out is good to look at. So one is uh, behavioral analytics, and then one is more, uh, it's essentially qualitative and quantitative. So qualitative mean, meaning being like actual talking to users, and then quantitative meaning be like actual, the actual numbers, like what's happening. And for so people that have a blog, so to say, uh, say a blog, um, you know, online, they can set up Google Analytics and they can look at the actual numbers. That's more quantitative. Um, and then qualitative is actually just talking to people on the phone. And then what you do is that, because you'll notice, and, and uh, there's some cool Netflix articles that talk about this where people, they're doing a lot of qualitative research and they'll talk to a user and ask them what they like best about Netflix or, uh, you know, what videos they watch or whatever. And when they look at the behavioral analytics for that actual user, the behavioral analytics show a completely different story, <laughs> which is really funny because the user doesn't sometimes even know what they want. Um, so, so you've got to take everything in with a grain of salt. But um, that's two categories that I would start off with is just looking, setting up something. If you've got a website, just starting off with Google Analytics and seeing what's working, uh, what's driving traffic, what are posts that are most popular, and then seeing if there's some way... Uh, maybe say someone subscribes to your email list and um, looking at, number one, what links they're clicking on, but then number two, I mean, taking that step and saying, hey, I just saw you subscribe. Would you be open to jumping on a quick 10-minute uh, you know, a feedback call? And I'm happy to give you a $10 Starbucks gift card. You do that for 10 or 20 people for of your users, and the gold that you're going to get from there is far more valuable than those Starbucks cars because it's going to help to provide the direction for your company. And you'll learn the problems that that person experiences every day that you'll be able to uh, strive to innovate off of and create something that is going to help hundreds of thousands of people uh, just from that initial insight from those 20 or 30 people. I always like to relate these things sort of back to fitness, especially because, you know, as a personal trainer, I'm thinking in terms of my clients, in terms of fitness, in terms of goals. And when we're in the gym and when we're working with clients, we, we tell them, you know, you have to set like numerical goals. So goals we can actually measure. And then you have to sort of also go based on how you're feeling. And all of it sort of made me think about, you know, the client that says, A, they feel better, uh, which is always good. So it's positive feedback and then also the, the client that says, I'm not losing any weight. I don't feel like I'm losing weight. I don't feel like I'm thinner. And then you go and do the measurements and they actually have. It's it's sometimes the behavior and what people say don't match up, which goes back to what you were saying with the feedback and actually looking at the behavior and people sort of not always knowing what they're getting out of it or what they really need. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. And I'm related back to the fitness side of things. Personal trainers too also only focus sometimes on the exercise stuff and don't want to get into the business. And I think your app rally all has a great opportunity for them because if they don't want to sort of worry about the website, worry about figuring out how to get their programs out there, they can develop a program for rally all. Could you go into how a trainer can sort of get started using your platform? Yeah, great question. We're actually just um, in a, a creating a, a, a more effective way for trainers to create programs. Cause we just invited a couple of test trainers, um, We've got a, a, a couple hundred trainers that are signed up for Rally All that have either done live classes or uh, signed up to do live classes. So we're, within the pivot, now we're tra uh, transitioning to more of a program-based approach. But um, yeah, as of right now, it's, it's more of a, uh, we're just individually reaching out to specific trainers to help create programs. Um, but essentially, within hopefully a few weeks, we're going to essentially open up the floodgates to any trainer that wants to create a program on Rally All. And um, that's exactly what you said, Corey. The exciting thing about it is that they don't need to focus on all the business stuff. They don't need to focus on marketing and sales and whatnot. They just need to create a, a, a specific program, and they could choose whatever program that they want. We're, and we're, the cool thing is that we're getting a lot of we're, – we're, we're really good at getting user feedback, 
And then what we do with that user feedback is actually share that with the trainers. And so users that say, oh, I'm actually you know, you know, really looking for just a shoulder program. It just you know, really targets the shoulders and how do I build up my shoulders or get stronger shoulders. And then we share that with the trainers and, and, and have them create a program to help people with their shoulders. And so we're really try, trying to handle the business side and allowing the trainers the freedom to handle what they're most passionate about, which is the fitness side, and creating programs, and then even giving them the opportunity um, to to listen to the users as well, because the trainer is engaged with the users when uh, within their program. So, say the program, uh, you know, the user is is on the app and they're checking off tasks and they complete a task and they they have you know a comment or or something within the chat box. The trainer has the option of even getting a push notification when that user submitted, say, a comment. And so, say, um, you know. Yeah, Fred, you know, completed the program and oh my, you know, my, my knees hurt when I do the lunge. You guys have any suggestions? The trainer can get pinged and right away, straight through their app, they can, you know, press the button, turn on their camera and say, oh, Fred, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that your knee is going over your toe or make sure your body is staying upright. You're not leaning forward too far. And this is how you do it. Boom. 20 seconds later, that video is up on the site helping Fred out individually. And so it's just this immediate user feedback. Uh, mechanism where the trainer gets the feedback and can and can share their insight and counsel and expertise with those users in real time, uh, which you know people right now are hunting and pecking around Google to try to find what's going to work for them. Uh, but with Rally All and the, the the new app that we have is immediate feedback from expert trainers joining their programs um, and and helping people achieve their fitness goals. You know, Todd, you're one of my favorite people in the fitness industry because you're an innovator who's always ahead of the game with your ideas, whether it be, you know, that body weight bundle, putting that out or now transitioning into rally all. I have to ask, where do you see the future of fitness going? I mean, I think you're at the forefront of it, but where do you see it maybe in five or 10 years? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think I bet I think about this often because, you know, you have to think about this if you want to try to uh, lead the curve. Um where I believe the fitness industry is heading, and um, I'll kind of let the cat out of the bag of where we believe that we're heading, um, is actually AI. So AI is artificial intelligence. And so um, I believe, uh, I'll just kind of share where we believe we're heading. We're following the feedback from our users and innovating, so we don't know if we're going to head this direction. But uh, I believe the industry is heading to more of an AI approach where, um, art- where uh, essentially what we're calling is smart programs. And so say you join a, a push-up challenge, just for example, that app or that technology knows you down to the core. So it knows your goals, it knows your, you know, your, your struggles, it knows your, how many reps you're doing. And the program actually adapts day by day based off of how you did the previous day. And so it knows that you're looking to do a, you know, you're looking to build mounds of muscle, you know, 30 pounds of muscle. And so it, it knows uh, what you're intaking in terms of calories. It learn, it knows uh, what, how you're doing on the path to that end goal. And it will morph and change accordingly based off of uh, where you're at and, and no progressions and know um, how you typically progress. And then eventually being able to say you achieve that goal and and you have a different goal, and then it's it, rec- it recommends a certain program to you that you start, and then it automatically morphs based off of how you go. So it's like the, 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 the machine is knowing you down to the core and then guiding you towards an end goal. Um, and I believe that's where it's going to head. Uh, I believe there'll still be gyms. There'll still be um, the uh, interaction with a personal trainer, and that's what we're one of the things that we're really trying to um, – to, to really reflect on and, and innovate off of on and deeper level connection with the trainer uh, because that's the other side of the coin that AI can't deliver is actual real connection with another human being. Um, so we're, we're straddling both lines and seeing where uh, the, the, the greatest innovation will occur uh, for the best business opportunity and the best um, opportunity to help the user achieve their fitness goals uh, the most effectively. Because I don't believe that um, AI will ever... Um, totally replace um, the the interaction with a trainer. I believe it only helped to um, you know facilitate that relationship. So it automates 
some of the things that the trainer would normally do so that the trainer could focus on other things that is more of a personal touch uh, to help that individual achieve their goals while their program is morphing um, so that, I mean, the trainer doesn't necessarily need to decide the number of reps or the number of sets. We can do that through machine, uh, machine learning. And the, the trainer is at a higher level supporting and helping, um, uh, working with that user uh, or that customer to really help them uh, kind of from a higher level or an emotional level, uh, motivational level, achieve their fitness goals. I actually am super excited about that. As like a trainer, you always want more control of your clients. You want to be able to be in their living room with them when they're doing the workouts. You want to, you know, have more say. And I think that's a great way for trainers to have more presence even with their clients so that they can hold them more accountable to reach their goals. I don't think it necessarily means that we'll become obsolete or not needed. It just gives us another avenue to help our clients really get in there, delve into their goals and achieve their goals with what they specifically need. That's right. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because there's so much research. There's always new trends that are coming out in the fitness industry. And uh, I was uh, with a gym the, the other uh, a couple months ago or something, and they were talking about aerial yoga, which was um, very new to me. I was like, wow, this is, I had no idea that this existed. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of that, but you're like doing yoga up on, I don't know, these straps or something. I was like, wow. Um, pretty cool. It's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool thing. Um, but it's like there's always going to be new trends that are coming out. But that's the relationship between the trainer and the individual is so valuable. And just like with um, uh, I've been doing Uber or Lyft quite a bit. And um, it's like there's machines and, and, and technology is going to continue to innovate the things that we don't need humans to be doing. Um, you know, Uber is looking, a lot of these companies are looking to do self-driving cars and, um, or, or not self-driving cars, but the, you know, the car drives itself. So you just jump in and then it brings you wherever you want to go. But that, but one of the things that attracts me to Uber and Lyft and a lot of these other individuals that drive, uh, that ride in the Uber is the relationship, the talk, the conversation that you have. And you learn the story of the individual and why they're doing Uber or Lyft, uh, why they're driving. And that connection that you get is so important. But the the driving isn't isn't necessary. I mean, that's not a, what a human needs to do. Um, it's connected a deep relational and human level, uh, and we can let machines do the rest. And I think that's the same as with with training. Um, I don't know if we need the trainers to create tell people the number of sets we do right now, um, but in the future, I don't know if we need to do that. Machines can do that um, based off of the feedback uh, that we get from the user and wearables and knowing how that person is, what's going on internally and physiologically. But the human touch, just like you said, Corey, will, I don't believe we'll ever be able to replace. And that is so, so valuable that technology just we'll, we just can't touch. Well, now that you've answered all the easy questions, we're going to jump into the hard questions in a little <laughs> segment called the Fast Five Fitness Facts, which we're going to fire off five questions at you and you can do your best to answer them. Cool. Sounds great. So question number one, what is your favorite exercise? Handstand push-up. Freestanding hand, free handstand push-up. And what exercise do you love to hate? Um, the burpee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a I think it's a common answer. <laughs> and here's the really fun one. What is the best book you've ever read? Mm, well, I'm a Christian, so the Bible, <laughs> um, uh, that definitely is the, is the one. And then um, if I had to choose a second one, uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, it's so important. There's so much. It's an older book, but it's one of those books that just is timeless classic that never, ever, ever gets old because it's learning how to deal with people. It's learning how to how to live your life in a way that serves and helps people and makes other people feel important and valued. And the lessons that I've learned from that book I've carried for years and years. And it's a book that I uh, just love to open up and pull out an insight. Um, but yeah, that's a book I, that wasn't a fast answer, but oh, it's yeah. definitely the, the answers don't have to be fast. <laughs> and see, oh, okay, I just good. like too, that you're thinking outside of the box and you can give two books, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite pump up song? Oh, I guess I'm a guy, so I have to go with Rocky, Rocky Four, And it's not just a pump-up song, but I used to have a playlist on YouTube, and I would put these different favorite 
YouTube song, so I'd see it while I was working. Of course, I'm doing bodyweight exercise, so I don't need to be at the gym. I just play the YouTube on my computer and these songs and just rock out doing whatever exercise, listening to Rocky, pretending I'm about to fight whoever. Well, it might be Dan Ritchie because that was his favorite pump-up song, too. Oh, so really? I think you, you two might need to square off. <laughs> that sounds good. I know Dan well. <laughs> and last question. If you could train with one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Hmm train with it would be uh oh gosh okay i'll have to give two answers here again it would be jack the lane i think that may be a common answer for fitness he's just someone that has transformed my life um i would want to train with him he's just an incredible guy i've never got a chance to meet That's him actually the past. first jack the lane answer we've got so i mean i would really? think that'd be a common one too Oh my gosh. He and, uh, and okay. So I have to give three now. <laughs> Jack Lane. And then the guy actually that inspired Jack Lane to be Jack Lane, uh, who is Paul Bragg. You guys know Paul Bragg? Yes. Okay. So Paul Bragg, I think might take the place of Jack Lane just because I was actually more influ- influenced by Paul Bragg and the writings of Paul Bragg, um, than even Jack. And then but those guys are both bad, past. So I'll choose one that's still living as Ido Portel. Um, I don't know if you've, he's a big body weight movement expert and I went to a seminar of his, but he actually, actually wasn't there. And, uh, one of his, his couple of his people that he's trained were there and they were some of the greatest movers that I've ever seen in my life. And people don't realize the movement that the human body can do. And, uh, it's just so cool. So I'd love to train with Ido at some point and, and learn from him. He's a guy that trained Conor McGregor, one of the uh, UFC fighters and, uh, really, really, really great trainer. Todd, thank you so much. Can you sort of tell our listeners where they can find you, maybe where they can even stay up to date on all the happenings with Rally All? Yeah, so rallyall.com. We're actually revamping the site from more of a live stream to more of an app. Um, but we've got some cool challenges going on. We've got seven-day push-up challenges and 31-day ab challenges and you know lots of different ones. And then any of the trainers that are listening, we're, uh, you can just email me, todd at rallyall.com. Um, I'd love to uh, get to know you, jump on the phone with you, whatever. Um, and if you have interested in creating programs uh, or a program to start and seeing uh, if they want to create more. So that's my email address, Todd, rallyall.com, and then rallyall.com. And then, of course, the Shot of Adrenaline is uh, the bodyweight calcenic site that is, um, uh, yeah, it's just a, a great place to learn more about bodyweight training and um, get in touch with me through there as well. well. Great, Todd. Thanks so much again. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.